And the vulture was an electronics engineer and an inventor. So he invented these wings. And bald. And bald and old. Bald and old. All right, here we go again with another episode of Comic Books and Cold Ones, the podcast where we have a few brews, talk about some comic book obscura. And uh, my name is Kay Mack, and I am coming to you today with great responsibility. And I have my co-host, Yek, who's coming to you with great power today. How you doing, Yek? Uh, pretty good. If that doesn't tip you off on what we're going to be talking about today, I don't know what does, but it's going to be awesome. How are things with you, Kay Mack? Uh, things are pretty good. You know, we had a hurricane down here in Florida this week, but it didn't uh, hit us very badly. Had a lot of wind and rain, at least where I was. So what was the cause of said hurricane? Was it a weather wizard? It was a weather wizard. <laughs> it, was a, it was a mutant. It was a mutant? Was it storm was a or weather wizard? You never know. You never know. That is true. That is true. Depending on what universe you live in. Yeah. Did you see a, a, a red silver, a red speedster run by? Because that would be the weather wizard stopping them. So, yeah, I it was did one drunk not. hurricane, too. <laughs> it had been listening to the podcast, I think. Because it went through Florida, back around, and came back on top of Florida. Right. Yeah. It did that wrap around in the Gulf. So, You're definitely a weather wizard. That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't Storm of the X Men. She, she can't, she ain't got that, that skill like the weather wizard does. Yeah, weather wizard waving his wand. Yeah. Does he have a wand in he has comics? A wand. I, I know he does in the weather show. wand. <laughs> yeah, thanks DC, DC, and their artifacts, right? Big they into them. them, big into them. Yeah. Well, we're pumped. Uh, why don't you give them, give out those fans our little show details here before you hit up our show? Yeah. Our Gmail is cbcopodcast at gmail dot com. Twitter is at cbco underscore podcast. And our uh, Instagram is just if you search comic books underscore cold ones in the Instagram search bar, you'll find us pretty easily. So hit us up and let us know what you think. Let us know about some show recommendations and beer recommendations, of course. We try to give you all the knowledge you can in one month, and we have an hour and a half worth of podcasting, or three hours worth of podcasting when you bring you a month. Last month, we loved it so much, we brought you an extra minute worth, which cost us $4. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, I couldn't edit it down enough. It was just so much goodness in that minute that I had to stay. I want to give a big shout out to one of our fans out there listening from Huxnall, England. Have you ever heard of Huxnall, England? I have not. <laughs> Neither have I, but I had to look it up. It's in Nottinghamshire. So there's a, there's a good chance it may be the sheriff or Robin Hood. Or Robin Hood. Or Little I'm, John. I'm lo I'm rooting for Friar Tuck. Ah, oh, Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck knows his beers. Are you are you more of a Will Scarlet man yourself? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But it, yeah, I remember after I saw that we had a download from there, I looked it up. I'm like, Nottingham, that's the best. Speaking of Scarlet's, that brings us to what our discussion topic of the day is today. And we're talking some Spider-Man. This little episode is one of the types of topics that we'll be doing. It's called What's in a Rogue's Gallery? Spider-Man, the Sinister Six. These are where we go over some of our favorite rogues galleries from different uh, superheroes in the different multiverses. This day we're doing Spider-Man and the Sinister Six, which is one of the first uh, ever supervillain groups to to form. Right. I was surprised to see that, that, that they were formed, I think, before the Avengers were formed in comic books. That's correct. They, right before. So... So we'll be going over that. And here's how popular they are. We actually did a rundown and hit up all the clickbait websites out there 
to see where the Sinister Six ranks on all of them while you're sitting on your toilet and you're looking through your Facebook's <laughs> clickbait. Here's here's what the different <laughs> list comes up with. So on Screen Rants, they're number one for supervillain teams. Super of, of all time. Of all and times. Across DC and Marvel. Yes. <laughs> on Games Radar, they're number two. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> just coming in short. On CBR, which I believe is Comic Books Review, I just know them as CBR now, they are they slipped way down to number nine. Yeah. Watch yeah. Mojo, on, uh, which you can watch on YouTube. They are number one. And finally, in a little thing that I'd never heard of before, we got this covered. They are also the number one all-time supervillains group. That's, that is crazy spectacular. That That's how supervillain they sweep. are. Now... I was briefly talking with the KMAC. I believe it's mainly because of their name, uh, which is, you know, alliterative genius is Sinister Six. And that's what they go by. And uh, we're going to be covering the first three appearances, the first three canonical appearances. There is after those three appearances, they go on to various formations where they are not no longer six and sometimes not so sinister. Uh, but we'll cover the real, the real goings about uh, of them. So, Starting it out, though, we need to get some beers before we start talking about all this fun stuff. And yes, villainy. we do. <laughs> all so, right, so you go first. All right. So I looked around, uh, since Doc Ock, as many of you know, is the head of the Sinister Six, I looked around my best to found a cephalopodic beer that I could. And there were no octopuses. There were no mollusks. There were no cuttlefishes. But I did find a little beer out of Silver Branch Brewing in Silver Spring, Maryland, called Squid Vicious. It's a double oat IPA. Has a nice squid on the cover. We'll put it on the website for you all to see. I've never had an oat IPA. So this is I've never even name. heard of an oat I, IPA. I had I saw a couple of them at the at the store this week that had oat in them and I was like very intrigued. I've had double IPAs, but let me read you off the little 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 uh, side of the can here. While he is used to being mistaken as a front man for the 70s punk band, Squid Vicious is actually an aficionado of aggressively hopped IPAs. This, comma, is his namesake beer, comma, is made with naked oats, oat malt, flaked oats, and generously hopped with Sabro Citra Galaxy and Hallertau Blanc hops. Drinking Squid Vicious is like swimming in hops. Or swimming in a sinister stick of villains. <laughs> right, right. This is 8.6% alcohol. Comes in tall boy cans out of Silver Spring, Maryland. Nice. It sounds good. What are you bringing today to talk yeah, so villainy? I was trying to do the same thing. I was trying to find one that had octopus reference or any of these other villain references. But we've talked about this before. Um, the beers in Florida great, especially the local ones. They have a lot of good breweries, but most of the beer names are tropical this, mango that, sea breeze that, or or some kind of fishing related uh, name. So I found uh, this beer that I thought worked very well for today's show, but it's out of a little brewery that I'm sure everyone's heard of called Dogfish Head Brewery out of I know Delaware. <laughs> I know you do. I figured you did. It's pretty popular. There's dogfish all over the place down here. But this beer is called Costumes and Karaoke. Ah, nice. Yeah, we have all these villains with their great, great costumes. And they're singing a song. We're singing a song. And there is a little bit of sing-along going on when they get together. Mainly, uh, you betrayed me. No, I betrayed you. You backstabber, you backstabber. And the the, the percussion of explosions. Right, right. It's it's pretty much nonstop with these guys. So this this beer, costumes and karaoke, 
is an imperial cream ale with turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, star anise. I guess that's how you say that. A N I S E. Oats. So we have. Oh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Oats are just like you, right? So yeah. we got some Odie beer tonight. Cardamom with vanilla beans added. And it comes in at an uh, 8% ABV. So. Ooh, bringing in, bring in some flavor with you. We always like the shows that came at gets any alcohol beer above 6%. Correct. <laughs> you know, we, you have 8% too, don't you? Yes. <laughs> All right. But we the know came is more fun. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's so. And tonight it'll be a little more sinister. <laughs> All right, so we got to crack them open. Beer time. And K-Mac showed off to me that he is drinking out of his lovely Spider-Man pint glass tonight with the spider logo at the bottom, which is pretty sweet. Does not designate him as a super nerd at all, but. Fact. <laughs> no super nerd. Oh, man, you can smell the hops. Like you don't even yeah. have to be close to the can. Oh, really? I can smell them. I would the say you can probably smell <laughs> the them computer. Through, through, the, through the microphone. Uh, yeah the the room just lost a lot of humidity because it got so dry. Which <laughs> <laughs> should be which should be one of the Sinister Six's uh, villainy projects is to reduce the humidity so they can take over the world. So Sandman rules. How is it? It's good. It's uh definitely tastes like a cream ale. And I think I can really taste the cardamom more than anything. And maybe the oats, I don't know. But it's definitely different. I don't think I've ever had a beer that tastes like this. Same with me. Tastes like an IPA, but a little bit drier, but not too hoppy. You know, it doesn't have the bitter hops that instantly go to you. Because I think the oats with the maltiness kind of mellow that out. So it's a good oat soda that way. Mm. Silver Branch, you're doing me right tonight. So to get this kicked off, uh, as we told you, they're one of the first ever supervillain fa- super team-up groups ever. So that means they go way back. And their first appearance actually appeared in Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1, October 1964, written by Stan Lee and written, drawn by the original Steve Ditko. So this is the original creators doing one of the original stories. And according to the, the, the insert on the first page, it says it took them nearly a year to draw all this and get it scripted out. So they were very pumped. And I think it may be one of the first ever annuals by Marvel. If I'm, if I'm right, remember, right. Double size release at the beginning or end of the year this time. And so exciting. And they, they did it just to bring together this awesome story of the sinister six. So one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight, so much, not as much a story, but the the team up of the supervillain group and the dynamics to go into getting the bad guys together. Cause Normally, it's easy to get good guys to all agree on something, but bad guys teaming up usually are looking out for one thing and one thing only, and that's themselves and not themselves and six other or five other guys. But that's what they're doing this time. So who's who's the brainchild of bringing together this this rabble-rousing crew, K-Mac? Yeah, so the, the brainchild of the Sinister Six in uh, at least their first three canonical appearances is Dr. Octopus. The, Dr. Uh, Oc. Also, what's, his real name is, of course, Otto Gunther Octavius. Brilliant radiation nuclear scientist who invented arms to hold radiation and they eventually fused to his body and he found out he could be a, a pot belly octopi of crime. Right. Roy Orbison lookalike, they say. <laughs> the, the, the Roy Orbison of crime, the tubby, 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 tubbykins with four extra arms ready to right. go at it. And the 
the accident that caused them to be fused to his body also allowed him or gave him uh, mental control over the arms as well. Which we find out in the first time ever in this annual that he actually gets control of them. So where do you rate Doc Ock on uh, Spider-Man's most powerful villains? Oh, oh, all right. Um, she's, he's, he would probably be like, Ooh, that's, I didn't expect this question. I like this question. I think he's probably in the top five for sure. I th- and I think in the top five, you have to include who people who aren't members of the Sinister Six. That's I think correct. You have to include Venom. You have to correct. include Carnage. Correct. Um, and I think you, I think you have to include Doc Ock because he's one of the earliest villains. Uh, first appearing in Amazing Spider-Man number three. What about right? Rocket Racer? So, the Rocket Racer. Oh man! So oh oh. So the first this this is going to be not this, in this is an aside. KMX this is an aside. I have an aside. So the the first comic book I ever remember buying is this book. It has this guy in a yellow and green suit with a gun pointed at a building, and he's called the Bounty Hunter, right? And you have Spider-Man's hand on the brick below him, and the word bubble on the cover says, I've got the rocket racer dead in my sights. Nothing can stop me now. So, and I don't have it anymore. I don't know what happened to it, but I, I saw that image, I think on, on some we follow on Instagram, but yeah, that rocket racer jet skateboard, he's number six. You can't stop him. No way. No way. See, but I put him in the top five for sure. I'm going to weigh in and say he's number three, number three, maybe number two after Venom. I'm going to say number two because he's devious, and when he when he actually gets control and actually organizes many of Spider-Man's most deadliest foes, he's actually I think even more deadly than that. So, right now in a story that I haven't read yet, but it's on my list to read. I, I think you're probably right. I think he might be two or three because in in the story Superior Spider-Man, there's a time where Doctor Octopus actually moves his mind into Peter Parker's body and takes over for a, a long time. There's a there's a couple of years, I think, worth of stories where it's Dr. Octopus in the body of Peter Parker called Superior Spider-Man. Correct. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe number two or number three for sure. I think Venom is probably his number. Well, no, Hot Green Goblin, probably his number one villain. Well, it's his arch nemesis. But I'd say Venom being more modern is the more powerful yeah, and and everything. So I, yeah, I, I'm going Doc Ock, maybe two, number two. I'm going to say number yeah. two after Venom, even though I think Venom came along. I know you can do what you got to do. So Doc Ock organizes his crew and he gets together five more foes, and we're going to run them down for you. Right, but first, bit of trivia: Where was Doc Ock born? Ooh, uh, and you know, so Yak and I went to college together, and we went to college with someone who was also from this town, someone who could play the drums. I'm going to go. He's a Southern Canadian from Schenectady, New York. He, he <laughs> is a Southern Canadian from Schenectady, like most nuclear physicists. Uh, I bet he can ice skate too, like a mother on those forearms. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Loves hockey, eh? Yeah. Imagine, imagine Doc Ock playing hockey with those those skates on and an extra set of sticks. <laughs> Not fair. No way. It'd be a whole team because he can go stick side, glove side, and five hole all at the same time. I know. I know, unstoppable. <laughs> so, so Doc Ock organizes to get together to take down Spider Man by getting five of his other fiendish foes to go after him, and let's run them down from the top here. They are Electro, Craven the Hunter, 
Mysterio, Sandman, and the Vulture. And we'll go over the real names because that's the real best part about these, all the alter egos. So Electro, yeah, good names. Electro's real name is? Maxwell, nickname Max, Dylan. <laughs> and <laughs> no, Any relation to Matt Dylan? Long lost brother, okay. father, 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 right? Because he's yeah, from the, yeah, yeah probably he's, father. That's the reason Matt Dillon makes such electric movies. He does. <laughs> uh, Craven is oh boy, I had to pick Craven, didn't I? Sir Sergey Nikolovich Cravenoff. So for all those people out there that aren't Russophiles, like said Yak here, that means his name is Sergey's his first name. His last name really is Nikolaevich, and Cravenoff is his patronymic because his dad is named Craven, which Ooh. is weird that he also goes by Craven. So Cravenoff means son of Craven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, people so don't, go, don't people go by their knew all their their Russian language, but right. <laughs> people who don't go by their first names are weird. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, like I really now, wanted to be named Craven Dad, so I could be Craven Cravenoff, but no, <laughs> you name me Sergey. Okay? And and uh, so who's the next one? What's his What's his name? That would be Mysterio. Would be Quentin Beck. Played by Jake Gyllenhaal cool in the, the most recent movie, who also goes by that name in the movie. And finally, our, our favorite, our second to last Sandman, William Baker. And then probably, I think, one of the best names in all of comic bookdom, the vulture, Adrian Toomes. Yeah, that is a good name. As you saw, and we saw him in Spider-Man Homecoming, played by Michael Keaton. So he did a great job. But he's not as old. That's the big thing. It's like Vulture's been like 187 in all the comic books. And they always refer to him as an old man, even right. even in 64. All the way up through all the comics we're going to be covering. Yeah, that was that was interesting. They had to make him younger. But I don't know. I like Michael Keaton. So well, Michael Keaton's the best. He, he, he played best. Batman and Vulture. Yeah, Too he did. Weird. And he played, he played Birdman too, didn't he? He did play that Birdman. other movie. Batman, Birdman, Vulture. Yeah, so I think this was this was great because these were all of these characters debuted essentially in the first fifteen issues of Amazing Spider-Man, and they put together this annual to have them team up almost immediately. So, yeah, it's groundbreaking. Once again, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko breaking norms, bringing together a super group. The reason it took so long because Steve Ditko had to draw all these characters on the same page. Uh, which is you know quite the work back in the day and, and produced this giant sized comic, which is an oversized comic with additional stuff in the back for all those fans out there uh, that were just coming in to be the Marvel world. So the big game plan when Doc Gott gets them all together, oh he realizes they haven't been able to defeat Spider-Man one-on-one. So if they all team up, they will be able to take him down. So K-Mac, when you think they all team up to take him down since they haven't been able to do one-on-one, don't you expect they all attack him at once? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. That's the only kind of plan a supervillain team would think of, right? You're not as smart as Doc Ock, who decides instead of, instead of dogpiling them all at once, he decides to battle them one-on-one sequentially, and eventually they one of them will be able to knock off Spider-Man. Right, so they would tire him out, and then one of them would beat Spider-Man. So they they all draw cards, right? Is that how they do it? Well, the, be- the best is, yes, Doc Ock goes, okay, to do this, you all draw cards, and that'll be your battlefield where you go. And so they all draw the cards, and it goes, each of these battlefields has been chosen for you perfectly. <laughs> Even though they randomly picked the cards. They randomly picked them. That's how sinister the six is. <laughs> 
Right. They're very they organized. Even, they even they even cheat at the random card draw. They're so right. They're so, they're so organized that it seems random. <laughs> well, what the best part is Doc Ock has, you know, six six hands so he can hold six different cards and hand them out. <laughs> yeah, I mean they that's why they couldn't have seven. Yeah. <laughs> It was impossible. I'm surprised. So I am surprised they maybe didn't. I mean, Sinister Six sounds a lot better, and Stanley loves his alliteration. But I'm surprised they didn't add the chameleon into this. Yeah, he hangs back. So that was the chameleon being the first villain to appear in Amazing Spider-Man number one. Yeah, or the Green Goblin. I don't know if the Green Goblin had debuted yet. He might not have. That's a good point. I didn't think he had debuted yet. No, I think you're right. That's the reason. Yeah, he he became the canonical arch nemesis later. Uh, which is pretty cool that yeah they, they they came up with this idea to do this. So they're going to battle sequentially, and they get them in all in order. And we kind of read them off in order, but first to 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 draw out Spider Man, what they always do is he goes and gets somebody from the Daily Bugle. <laughs> Doc Ock does. Yeah, because everybody yeah. knows Spider Man hangs out at the Daily Bugle for some reason. <laughs> That's weird, right? And I wonder why. So <laughs> Doc Ock. Waits, waits for Betty Brandt, who's then Peter Parker's girlfriend, to come out, snags her. But along with Betty Brandt, he happens to pick up one little old lady by the name of Aunt May. Right. It, yeah, because Peter was acting funny, so she went to talk to Peter's girlfriend and just happened to get picked up, too. And I really, Aunt May's parts in the story and her interaction with Doc Ock are some of the most hilarious moments uh, in this issue, for sure. Whereas, whereas Betty Brant knows she's being taken hostage by a supervillain group, uh, Aunt May thinks they're just going for a nice <laughs> visit to some 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 guy's house to have tea and crumpets. Right, she doesn't care. She's like, I'm old; it doesn't matter. She's yeah, like, there's I'm one the point. House, damn it, <laughs> you're not you're not you're not breaking this up for me, Betty Brant. <laughs> right, Doc Ock serves them Danish and coffee at one point. Doc Ock is a great like like in this story compared to the other ones, like. Yeah. He's a super chill gentleman here. Yeah. You know, he hasn't been power mid drive, you know, <laughs> power, power driven mad yet. Yeah. And, and getting made fun of all the years by, by Spider-Man as a tubby cephalopod. So they whisk them away. Doc Ock tells J. Jonah Jameson, you had to put it in the paper that Spider-Man has to meet here first to, to try to get back uh, Betty Brandt. And lo and behold, also he finds out his his aunt at the time, Aunt May. Uh, but that the paper really never goes through, and Spider Man figures out how to, how to get yeah. keep going anyway. Yeah, Jameson managed to get scooped on the story by every other paper somehow <laughs> because he's locked himself in his office, and and he like he is the roadblock to his own success here. He doesn't like, everything has to go through him, so. Yeah. It, it just doesn't happen, and it's always so, fun when Jameson gets you know egg on his face. Parker, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he yells for Parker often. Yeah, so so he he first has to face Electro, and just just a quick aside. Another yeah. fun part of this uh, being, I think, the first ever annual. They do all these advertisements throughout the comic book by showing cameos of different superheroes, including it starts out with an uh, astral form of of Doc Strange coming through Peter Parker while he's at high school and getting into a fight with Flash Thompson. Right. Yeah. There's cameos all over the place. And it's, you know, that's kind of whether or not they do it for the same reason in the later stories. Uh, that's kind of a theme that goes through all of these because, yeah. because in the later stories, they're full of cameos too. Yeah. And 
you know, so it is it, either it's a callback or they're just trying to pump up sales for other books. Yeah. And these ones, Probably they both. actually advertise, you know, go read this magazine. So throughout this comic book, you get to right. see the Fantastic Four, Captain America, Doc Strange, X-Men, Thor, Giant Man, Wasp, and Iron Man, all with plugs for their books at that time. Right. And so, and I started to say he goes to fight Electro first, but before that, Spider-Man loses his powers. He or he he loses confidence in his powers. We don't know. Yeah. quite know. Yeah, it's very similar to what happened to Tobey Maguire in Spider Man Two. Yes, lost his powers for a little bit because he lost his confidence. But then once he gets back into it, the powers come back. Like once and he, he knows he has powers, to push, push through it because his Aunt May has been taken hostage. So he's got to he's got to go for it. Right. He has no choice but to but to try to do it, even though he has no powers. So yeah, yeah. then he heads off to fight Electro. Yes. Where does he end up fighting Electro? At a power plant, of course. Not just any power plant. Oh, yeah. Stark power plant. That's right. Stark power plant. <laughs> yeah. And Electro had stolen some... Uh, early on in his career, he had stolen some stuff from Stark as well. But that's not part of the story. But yeah, so that's interesting. Stark power plant. Stark is the only uh, uh, industrialist in the Marvel Universe at this time anyway, right? Uh, For the most part. Well, other than the other dealing starks may have that I, I don't know if stain is mentioned yet in the, in the actual iron man comics i do not yeah. believe he is but one of my favorite electro stories later on involves electro in a power plant also and that's in uh the new avengers number one when they hire electro to knock out the power plant to to free all the people from the raft and he's he's a down and out electro and he goes <laughs> okay but i get to wear the mask when i do it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's a cool story. It's drawn really well. Yeah, yeah. Like how he does it is is really. <laughs> but this cool. is similar. He's going to blow up the power plant and take out because he can juice off the power plant, right? Non Jamie Fox style. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. But lo and behold, Spider Man's able to take him out with just a big old knockout punch. Nothing special. Takes him down pretty easily. Right, and, and that's that's splash page number one. Yeah, with each of these takedowns, there's a big splash page. <laughs> so he wraps him up in a nice little package. And waits for an Iron Man comes swooping in because he heard the the alarm go off, and he says, "There's a package in there waiting for you, <laughs> Iron Man." And uh, make sure you read about that in Iron Man's own book. Yes. <laughs> what what, what Iron read Man about his own book? Yeah, I guess so. Month it comes out monthly, apparently, according oh. to according to the ad at the bottom. Ah, so, Stanley. So he gets another card from beating the lecture that tells him he's got to go swooping away to the Bay of the World Fair. I didn't know there was such a thing as the Bay of the World Fair, but that's in Queens someplace. Uh, and I guess that's the big open field because they showed the the globe from the World Fair that it's in Queens that you see every once in a while when they do the U.S. Open and things like that. Some of the similar grams there. And he swoops in and lo and behold, what happens? Well, Craven is waiting for him with tigers. Are they tigers or jaguars? I don't know. Um, they're leopards, they leopards, actually. They're leopards. 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 Completely different. So Craven, of course, being the master hunter and controller of beast, is able to send two leopards to take on Spider-Man, who has to use all his speed and power to dodge the leopards. Right. And this is different for Craven because usually he doesn't use animals, from what I understand. He likes to defeat his enemies with his own cunning and, and prowess. He doesn't like to use weapons and animals, but he's a hunter he did just this like time. his father Craven. Right. Wait, his father's name is Craven? <laughs> That's what Cravenoff means. <laughs> son of Craven. <laughs> we should just call him Son of Craven from this son point of on. Craven. So we don't we don't confuse him with his father. Yeah. Oh, you know, 
His father did a lot of work to get that name. <laughs> he did. He did. And so Spider-Man dodges some leopards, dodges Craven, then does a backflip over Craven and grabs the card and then gets the hell out. Yeah. Doesn't mess around with Craven anymore. Craven's right. just like, what? Wait, wait, wait. We're supposed Where to fight. Going? Where are you going? This, I was supposed to tire you out. Sinister. Right, and then he has a, he has a, and then we get another cameo from the Human Torch, and they have a little fight. I don't know if this is, I, I doubt it's the first time they met, but it might be. No, it's not. They, have, they had met previously uh, in, in in Marvel books, and they had always been at each other's throats, but also team up together, being the two youths of the Marvel universe. Yeah, since, but since then, like in the eighties, they were pretty close friends, if I remember. But yeah, early on, everyone had to fight. It made sense. Yeah, you're gonna get in the long john club. You gotta fight your own fellows. That's right. I mean, where does he's getting his costume from them? Isn't he? Or no? Yeah. Not yet. He doesn't have unstable molecule costume, does he? Spider-Man? No, he does not. He sews it himself. Which he you does. remember That's later right. in one of the one of the, the the future series, we get to see not him sewing it, but his but Mary Jane, lovely yeah. wife Mary Jane sewing up a costume for him. So Craven doesn't really does his job, and he's able to get away and get the card and speed away. To his new destination, which is... It's a warehouse where... <laughs> just an empty building. Yeah. And and uh, he stumbles upon the X-Men, which is really strange because he didn't expect to find the X-Men there. And with, what, when you, when, what, with who? <laughs> yeah, I know. When And when you uh, bump into something you don't expect, it could possibly be an illusion, which then tells him to expect Mysterio and he his spider sense I think tells him that there's one wall that's not a solid wall and he goes through it and he finds Mysterio there yeah he bashes all the X-Men robots and realizes haha this can only be the work of one Mr. Fishbowl himself yeah Mysterio but I (laughs) I like Mysterio my favorite part about this is even when they first meeting with the Sinister Six and they show Mysterio anywhere every time he's walking around he's got just smoke coming out his feet he's got <laughs> oh a, yeah the smoke machine's always going on his feet yeah i mean he's a walking wwe entrance right he is that's a good point <laughs> always smoking he, yeah that takes a lot of design and precision to put smoke machines on your boots and have you ever noticed that the the, the epaulets that hold his cape are two eyeballs they're two eyeballs. Yeah, is, I I like his costume. Is is that to fool people into thinking that his his uh, his head's here and up there in the fishbowl? There's nothing. Maybe like he's he's like I saw that guy Modoc. Yeah, <laughs> I like his look. <laughs> like like one of those parrot fish that has the 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 eye on the back of his tail, so you're always swinging at the wrong part. Mm. That's a good strategy. Good point. <laughs> Even though you have a giant fishbowl in your head. Yeah, is the fishbowl full of smoke too? Yeah, it's always, it, you can't see it's obscured. It, right. it it's like actually, yeah. it's plexiglass and he can see out, but yeah. no one can see in. And the, the fishbowl's got to make it like really hard to like dodge because it's, it's it's cumbersome. Like, and he can't, he probably can't fit through all doors, right? Probably not. It has to go <laughs> sideways or head first. Head first sideways. <laughs> Does he ever lay on the ground and just roll in a circle with his head? probably (laughs) that's what i would do but of course once he gets in there spider-man he starts swinging away and once mysterious no mysterio knows he's beaten mysterio being the master of illusion just pops some smoke and disappears yeah like batman 
we should just bitches out. <laughs> just, whereas, whereas Craven just got left. Mr. Q was like, all right, I did my mystery, my sinister six part. I'm out. Yeah. He's like, I'm done. Let me, and he, and he tries to burn the card too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a complete dick move. Cause he knows the plan. <laughs> well, he can't wear him down. I know. If you don't have I the know. cards. The, so, the next card is apparently an invitation to play racquetball with Sandman. That's as far as I can tell. Cause he, the card he he was able to see he Spider Man swings away and arrives at a three wall like cinder block court. I couldn't figure out if it was handball or racquetball. <laughs> what kind of ball it is? Yeah, it's hard to tell. Like the background looks like a barren landscape. So, but he lands on it and realizes there's just nothing but gritty sand. And of course, that gritty sand becomes Max Barker, one Sandman, the master of fashion himself. Yeah, that's a great outfit. So throughout his whole life, Sandman only gets to wear one outfit. And it looks like the it looks like the reject outfit that Freddy Krueger decided not to wear that day. Right. Every as we go through these and we see the villains, Electro's is roughly the same, but it's still he has a cool costume anyway. But Sandman well, always just has Yeah. Sandman just has his green t shirt and brown pants. And All he gets. That's it. Doc Ock, like as we go on, we're going to talk about Doc Ock's fashion because Doc yep. Ock has some great fashion sense. Styling and profiling. He is. Also, Sandman gets stuck with the Osborne hair. Yeah. Yeah. That is weird. He has that, the Osborne, the cur- like curly cue, right? The curly, curly wave hair. However, that works. Yeah. The, the classic Steve Ditko is. <laughs> so, big question Is Barker really a member of the Osborne family? His shirt is green. He is green. Mm-hmm. Green shirt. Just just something out there. May need to follow that up. That is a good point. So they're, they're fighting. And then uh, Sandman sets a trap where in this racquetball court, like, uh, what is it? A, a steel box. Metal, steel box forms around them, which is, that's a crazy way to play racquetball, though. I mean. <laughs> I, I don't know, but they get trapped in there. Is that extreme racquetball? Is that like uh, the new version that they were trying to invent? <laughs> like, oh no! And at any second, the racquetball court can become a cage of death. <laughs> but like, since Stanley wrote this, there would be a little box there that says, "Hey, come by our our racquetball box." Yes, <laughs> and there's not there's, so they probably weren't. But so he's he has to fight Sandman in close quarters. What Sandman didn't anticipate is that Spider Man can operate better on less air than Sandman can. So Sandman ends up passing out and Spider-Man grabs the card and just leaves him there and escapes and heads on to his next opponent. Yeah. How does that work? Spider-Man of course has super long power, but Sandman is just sand. Right. You would think that he could just turn to sand and be okay. Yeah. Does he need to, but does his sand doesn't become new sand organs, does it? It's just sand. That's a good question. This we, We've um, hit the point in this issue where I disregard all of it. None of this actually happened. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving <Damn> on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll just say that Sandman let him go because Sandman, at, even at this point, is considering uh, a face turn. He's He's a mixed up. Bag of quartz, that Sandman. He is. He mm-hmm. is. He just can't figure it out. So Spider-Man, of course, gets his next card and swoops away to the top of a building. 
where, of course, what would be perched at the top of a building, ready to peck at his eyes and clean off the, the, the carrion from his bones, but one, the vulture, Adrian Toomes. You know, and Vulture was one of Spider-Man's earliest villains. He appeared in uh, Amazing Spider-Man number two. And now, uh, where is the Vulture from in New York? I love this stuff. Okay. So he's from the same place my wife is from in New York. He's, he's not from Rockaway. Nope. He's from, uh, oh, Brighton Park. No. It's, uh, you can, it's the, there's one borough. That's an island. Oh, Staten Island. Staten Island. Yeah. So he's from Staten Island. Like anybody in Staten Island, he had to grow wings and fly away from that hole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a side note, we watched King of Staten Island the other day. Really good movie. Enjoyed it. Other side note. So you do know of the famous cocktail called the Manhattan, correct? I do. Yes. 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 They're, they're, each of the boroughs has its own drink. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. There, there's, a, there's a Brooklyn, and then there's a Bronx, and there's a Queens. But the best of all is the Staten Island, which is actually made with coconut rum and other tropical flavors. What? <laughs> and it's certainly, as the island borough, oh, <laughs> they, 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 interesting. they have the Staten Island cocktail. What's from Queens? Do you know? Oh, I Queens don't remember, from? but I, I, had, okay. I looked up one time to see if there was some of the other ones. And so each of the boroughs had... Uh, Adopt their own. The Brooklyn and the Bronx were the more famous ones. Uh, the Queens that makes was sense. Not. Yeah. But the Staten Island one was like the the ode to trashy uh, suntan oil and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, that makes sense. That I could see, sense. but I could see Adrian Toomes <laughs> sitting on top of a building enjoying himself a Staten Island cocktail. Yeah, and so and and the vulture was an electronics engineer and an inventor. So he invented these wings. And bald. And bald and old. Yeah. And bald and already old. Bald and old. But so you would expect, like, in addition to the this flying suit that he's made, which, you know, lets him fly like a bird and also, I guess, gives him some kind of super strength, they say. It's like um, an exoskeleton of some kind, yeah. Yeah. And so you would think, like, he would have another really good weapon ready to use against Spider-Man, but his weapon is what? It's his fist, his, his claws, his nails. Also, one other thing. What does he have in this one? I forgot. Oh, he has a lasso. <laughs> oh, that's right. He has a lasso. <laughs> of course. What else would you use to be Rodeo, Spider-Man? rodeo, vulture. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All right, so he has a lasso. And the lasso uh, gets turned around on him by Spider-Man, who eventually webs him up to a flagpole on top of a building. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, obviously, we know who's winning this one. When it's Spider-Man versus a lasso. Yes. <laughs> it's Spider-Man wins it, gets his last card, and now goes to the castle home of one Otto Gunther Octavius. While this whole time, Betty Brant and uh, Aunt May have been pleasantly treated to cordial <laughs> cordial hosting by one Doc Ock. Right, yeah, coffee, <laughs> of course, danishes, of course, and, and Aunt May... Uh, you, I know there's a story later about this, but Aunt May is real. Like they're they're playing toward Aunt May falling for Doc Ock. Yes, <laughs> and she also does fall for the Vulture later too. They Ooh, become like well, simpatico. That makes sense. Yes, he's he's really old too. <laughs> so at this point, has Spider Man even taken a hit? Uh, he 
the electro got him got him landed him a few yeah and the jaguars he was able to avoid all the jaguars sandman punched him a couple times before he got in the box yeah that's true so really but but he's he, really he's gone through this whole thing he's run the gauntlet unscathed to this point for the yeah it's part. not really not really working out to a doc Ock's brilliant plan to, to slow him down <laughs> so. right and so that and so from after beating Vulture, he learns the location uh, where Doc Ock is and um, where he's holding Aunt May and Betty Brandt. And it's an old castle. I'm not sure where you would find an old castle in New York, but I'm sure you yeah, can well, find it. Well, they said they actually event. got it built brick by brick, sent over, Spider-Man. Observed. Oh, that's right. It's one of those castles that's been built, sent over brick by brick by rich people, such as the Carnegies and the Rothschilds and those people. And other rich people like Otto Octavius. Yes. And so they did all that. And they're just like, well, we'll just let Doc Ock use it. Why not? <laughs> and let him put all his computers and everything in there, right? So he has his master master uh, mansion and death trap and everything waiting for Spider-Man. Spider-Man comes swinging in. Thinks he's got Doc Ock tripped up because he doesn't have his arms on him. Going to walk up. But Doc Ock, lo and behold, shows off that Doc Ock can now mentally controls his arms without him. And so the arms come up behind Spider-Man. Spider-Man sense, senses it, but gets him enough that he knows that he lures him into a trap hole, a trap door hole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess they might've had this sent over with the bricks, but underneath that trap door is a giant fishbowl. A giant fishbowl. <laughs> so, like every castle has. Do you think Mysterio consulted on the making of the fishbowl as part of the plan? Of course, of course. That's that's mysterious backup helmet. <laughs> so when we say fishbowl, literally, kids, it's a giant old school fishbowl, like with one goldfish <laughs> that right. Spider Man falls into, and then Doc Ock proceeds to put on a scuba suit. <laughs> right, he gets to, changed. Yeah, yeah, he's able to get changed, put on a scuba suit with his arms, so he can become the living embodiment of what he is—an octopus. <laughs> right, and now this is this is from like we said the nineteen sixties. Um, so it was before they drew characters, you know, with, with bulging muscles and all that stuff. But I got to say, you know, like looking at Doc Ock with the sleeveless scuba thing on, he's pretty buff for the 60s. Do you see well, this picture here? Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's taut. <laughs> right, right. He's, he's doing he's on the He's on the Charles Atlas system to get, to get buff. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, so he dives in. Because his plan was obviously to get Spider-Man in this fishbowl. This is like a Batman caper, really. Yes. You know, when it comes down to it, like getting him in a fishbowl. And he jumps in because uh, an octopus is more comfortable in water. So he feels like he has the advantage. Yeah. Yes. So, but. but, His um, eight legs are better than Spider-Man's eight legs. Correct. And so Doc Ock wins, right? That's how it ends. What happens? Nope. Because what? Spider-Man ain't he tired. He ain't out of webbing. <laughs> and all Spider-Man does is decide to web up the water to tangle up all Dr. Octopus's arms. Not too tough. Splash page yeah. is easy in this one. Yeah, splash page is cool in this one, too. Yeah. All these, all these, I really like the splash pages in this issue. Oh, yeah. it's, cl- it's classic. Yeah. yeah. It's part of inventing the medium, you know, that, that later became, you know, splash pages and these things. So, yeah. Right, and then he rescues the uh, kidnapped damsels, but his, then he just his, he just leaves Doc Ock though. Yeah, well, he, what else are you gonna do? Right, he left all the villains yeah. pretty much, but they all end up in jail at the end. So, 
all all by themselves loathing Doc Ock's plan <laughs> and cursing him. Of course, Aunt May, Aunt May did not like leaving. She thought Doc Ock was a lovely man and didn't see why that ruthless Spider-Man had anything would beat up on him and why would they would go off with him. Right. And then when she gets home, she has to deal with Peter Parker's slang. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, she doesn't like that he says she's all shook up, you know, Elvis and those hips. <laughs> and then also that he calls her the ever-loving greatest. And that yes. really like, that gets him a finger pointed in oh, his face. It does get, it does get the, the tapping on the chest. Peter Parker and his slang. It's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> And thus ends the first appearance of the Sinister Six. Okay, so what did you think of their plan? Like I said, it wasn't that sinister. <laughs> and it no. It didn't, it didn't really use the six of them. Right. I think their plan was easy to draw. <laughs> most likely for, most likely for Steve Ditko, I think he was like, it's one at a time. <laughs> right, yeah. I think drawing all six of them fighting Spider-Man at the same time would have taken him more than a year. Constantly having to draw smoke from Mysterio's feet. It's just a pain in the, <laughs> the backside. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> oh, but, but this was a fun read. I liked it. It was also a way that Stan Lee could advertise all the other books by having him swing around through different panels. <laughs> that is true. And, you know, it's a, it's a neat way to do it. And it really was, if you think about it at the time, a huge project for them to, yes. to make a book that big and to feature so many different characters. Yeah, for the, and, and they're now be, they're newly fleshed out what was becoming their flagship character. And this appearance, you know, set the, set the stage for supervillain groups there on. There were supervillain groups before in the DC universe. But this is the first time in Marvel that we were really seeing it, you know, full scale. I mean, there was the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but that wasn't, a super group, you know, that was already a group formed, you know, they weren't individuals coming together to form a supervillain group. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So this one, <laughs> you would think, okay, we read off how many people think they're the all time best supervillains of all time group of all time, multiple number one rankings, number two rankings. So immediately Marvel must've, you know, been using them years and years and years since 1964, Kevin came back, right? Yeah, you would think they would say, man, we got to capitalize on this. That group was great. So the next appearance is like, what, a year later, two years later? No, <laughs> we have to wait until July of 1990. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for part one of what's turned out to be a two-part series on what's in a rogues gallery featuring Spider-Man and the Sinister Six. As you can imagine, with so much sinister goodness to talk about, Yek and I ran a little long on this episode, so we decided that we'd try splitting it into two parts. But don't worry, you will not have to wait 26 years for the next part. It should drop sometime next week. Take care, everyone. Uh-huh.